0: Welcome to the Gold Silver Pros podcast with Rob Keens, your precious metals podcast for interviews, breaking economic news, and more. Today's episode, War in Ukraine, What it Means for Trade and Precious Metals, featuring Ian Everard and Jim Forsyth.
1: Hey guys, it's Rob Keens from GoldSilverPros.com. We're recording this on February 24, 2022 on the heels of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which is gonna be the subject of what we're talking about among other things today in the video. We did this round table uh, because I wanted to bring that to the community, make a chat about what we think is going to happen. I'm joined by Ian Everard, who's the owner of ARC Silver, who's jo- who joins our program every two weeks to talk about the silver and gold markets, as well as Jim Forsythe, who's part of the Citizens for Sound Money organization, as well as the owner of Silverback Precious Metals. How are you guys doing today? Good.
2: Good considering. Yeah. Yes.
1: The so, news. first thing first, as a Christian, I will say prayers go out to people in Ukraine. Uh, it's never good when you're in the middle of a geopolitical battle and you've got troops yeah. and tanks and helicopters rolling into your cities, uh, and we'll try to be as respectful as we can in talking about this towards Ukrainian people and maybe even people in the United States and Europe that have family and friends over there as much as we can. But that being said, we do need to talk about it because there could be a lot of implications not only for the precious metals markets, but for what's going on in geopolitical terms between the West and China and Russia. So I'll start off with you, Jim. You have some background in the military. From your perspective, what are your thoughts on what's happened over the last week or actually probably over the last month with the eventual lead up to the invasion of Ukraine by Russia?
0: Yeah, um, well, first, let me also, the risk of, you know, slanting things, uh, prayers for the Russian soldiers as well. I mean, everybody, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, It's a bad situation that we have right now, and, um, you know, soldiers on both sides and civilians are going to suffer, and and that's a shame. Um, Just a little bit about my background. I I took six years of Russian language, um, a lot of Soviet studies classes in in college. I was actually almost got a dual degree. Um, I visited the Soviet Union in 84 and 86. Um, I went back in 2000, went back to St. Petersburg in 2001. Um, So I've been to Moscow, Kiev, um, you know, St. Petersburg. It was Leningrad then. And, um, you know, saw saw, you know, the devastation that communism wreaked on people. And that that's one of the reasons I joined the military um, is to defend against that. And, and one of the big things I learned is, you know, whether it's in Kiev or in Moscow, there are very good people there, um, yeah. you know, both 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 sides. Um, and, you know, I, I, I prayed for the collapse of the Soviet Union that came. Uh, it should have been a big victory. Um, But it seems like our leaders have basically wanted to extend the Cold War. Um, You know, there was a real opportunity to kind of embrace, um, you know, the former Soviet republics, uh, including Russia, and, uh, you know, really kind of bring them in. And it seems like we kind of held our hand up for the longest time. And um, so that that, that kind of feeds into the situation. Now, the the big picture here is this is complicated. Mm -hmm. If anybody paints this as a, Mm -hmm. you know, um these guys are the villains these guys are the good guys it's it, that's that's a naive way to look at it um you know the West has played a role you know obviously Russia's played a role Ukraine has played a role uh in getting us to where we are um you know and I've been brushing up on on the history of this and I'm I'm certainly no expert but um you know uh, you know the big push to have basically in 91 the break up the Soviet Union it, it's come out recently I think recently but back then, we, you know, it was said we will not extend NATO past some certain line, and they've extended well past that line mm-hmm. now, all the way to Ukraine. They want they're talking about adding Ukraine to NATO, and Ukraine's, you know, bordering with Russia. The the other complicating factor is uh, Ukraine has is you know it's, it's a <coughs> you know it's, it's a culture and a uh, you know a country, but yet there are a lot of Russians in Ukraine because the way. that, you know, broke it up. Um, and, uh, you know, that's created a lot of division in the country. Um, but but both Russians in Ukraine and <laughs> want to remain a country rather than get split up. Um, then we had the coup in 2014. Um, and that's an interesting one because. Uh, you know, the, 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 the president said he didn't want to be part of the EU. Um, they started to get some riots because of that, so they they had a meeting and he agreed to move the elections up to May, uh, which is like a month or two away from the current time. That way, <laughs> his policies they could vote him out. Uh, but despite that, the coup continued, and, and he fled. And there's um, w- the U.S. I think spent quite a bit of money uh, being involved in that. Um, you know, and that that's a dangerous tactic to play. You know, when you're you know, helping to fund a coup next to. Uh, Russia. Um, and, and so the, the region's kind of been a mess ever, ever ever, since then. And then somehow we had peace with four years with <coughs> now Biden comes in, then we're starting to talk about, you know, they're joining NATO to join NATO. From what I understand, it's really, they're never going to join NATO. from what I understand. It's just not going to happen yet. We say that they are pushing them to get in the EU. So I feel like poor Ukraine has become kind of a pawn in this, in this power struggle um and that goes to both sides right but um yeah being being a border country to russia um you know you gotta you gotta be a little sensitive about people's sec- security desires so um like i said i met a lot of great people in ukraine a lot of great people in russia and it's a shame that it's, it's come to this um i think people need to not oversimplify this and really try to figure out you know what's the best path forward, and an independent Ukraine would would have been the best path forward. You know, not part of NATO, not part of Russia, um, but let them be like Switzerland. Um, and I, I don't think we'd be in this mess if we had taken that approach.
1: Yeah, that that's the follow-up question I have for you. Do you think that the administration's push to, or, or and the other NATO members as well, not just U.S. talking about adding Ukraine to NATO? Do you think that forced Russians hand here at all? Or do you think Russia had already decided this is what they were going to do?
0: I wouldn't say forced. You can't you can't really force their hand. But, you know, that is I do believe that's the cause of timing. I mean, it's it's not just pushing to get NATO, but also sending military weapons in. Um, We've sent a lot of military equipment in. Um, And and so, you know, that that kind of stance certainly appears to be a threat to to Russia. And there, there's, there's also the issue, like like I said, this this was a country that's Ukrainian and Russians in it. And and after, um, you know, there, there's there's allegations of, of mistreatment you know, of the Russians after after um, the new president came to power. I think they they canceled, you know, Russian was an accepted second language and they canceled that. It was, you know, you must you must mm-hmm. speak Ukrainian, things like that.
1: And do you think, you know, Ukraine being part of the former, I guess we call it Soviet bloc, um, do you think there's an angle here that goes beyond the whole NATO situation where Russia is, is taking more of an imperialist approach to reuniting sort of the old USSR? Or is it more defensive in, in your thought?
2: It's it's a mix. And I think there's many more layers. Um, definitely the agricultural resources the Ukraine has. Russia needs mm-hmm. the industrial base. The high tech industrial base is in the Ukraine. Um, There was extensive nuclear bases in the Ukraine. I don't know that infrastructure still exists. Ukraine did give up the nuclear weapons they inherited on the promise that they would be protected and wouldn't be attacked. So, so much for that promise. Um, Uh Would it be better if they had nuclear weapons now? Uh, I I don't know. Um, There could be some debate. Is Putin mentally stable? or is he just living in an alternative world which can be very real um mm-hmm. i've worked with people uh, who have been under schizophrenic illusions and they are 100 percent real I mean, mm-hmm. they live in a in an alternative world which is just as real as our world is. so but yeah i think their intentions are more than just saber rattling and political and face-saving and putin reinforcing his image and putin trying to stay popular because there is dissent in Russia. Even, you know, it seems to be as fast as he kills off people who dissent more pop up, they're not. So I think it could be a. a, a, a at 70 years old, I don't think he sees a future doing anything else apart from being the dictator of Russia. He's it's, he stated he wants to stay in power for another 14 years till he's 84. Um, heck, I don't know. How do you get, do you want to get inside the the head of somebody like that? Maybe we should leave that to the U.S. special services who are trained in that and it could drive you crazy. Um, But definitely he wants the resources of the Ukraine.
1: And the resources we were talking about before the recording include a lot of agriculture. So a lot of food, a lot of wheat that could help support Russia through, you know, some tough winters. I know Russia has some agricultural land, but, you know, a lot of it's frozen. Yeah. And so they may need additional food stores for, you know, and, and it's kind of going off off script a bit. But I think we're in a global cooling phase and I think it's going to be harder and harder to grow crops. I think cold winter is coming farther south. I mean, I live in Texas right now. We're in our second ice storm and I've been in Texas in years in which we didn't get below freezing more than a day or two or a few hours in a day. And yet we're dealing with nine degree, 10 degree Fahrenheit temperatures, which is several times per winter now and getting more precipitation during the winter months than we ever have. We're breaking, you know, 100 year, 50 and 100 year marks there. And I know that NASA has shown through a satellite imaging that we're getting generally a little bit cooler. It's a general, you know, minor cooling period in the Earth's history. And that's going to put pressure on agriculture. So perhaps, you know, China has studied this and knows and has been cornering like the wheat market, the futures market, for example. Russia may be saying, okay, well, we're just going to, Since we're going into Ukraine anyway, maybe we benefit from that agriculture that we need. Perhaps that's one of the reasons why.
0: Just kind of counterpointing comments that, I mean, I don't necessarily, I don't agree with Ian on Putin, but I don't know the guy, right? Mm -hmm. But if he is intent on rebuilding the Soviet empire, right? Um, You know, you look at what happened to both the Soviet Union, the U.S. and Afghanistan. Um, Mm. Look at the cost of occupying countries. Um, if, if he wants the resources, you know, having trade agreements in a neutral Ukraine would be far less expensive, Better, yeah. and more mm-hmm. yeah. beneficial to Russia. Yeah. If, so uh, this, this talk I, I listened to, the guy actually said, look, if you want to weaken Russia, you want to encourage them to invade all these countries, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because, because then, you know, they're going to go bankrupt. Their, their debt to GDP is like 22%. They've got a lot of gold. They're in a very strong financial position. And, one and of the strongest the financial
1: positions, Jim, of any country in the world, including China. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And
0: and if, if if they choose to go down that path, um, it's it's going to weaken them. So I I I, am, I hope that they don't. Um, I think I guess we'll find out. Um, you know, it would be one thing to reintegrate the the two eastern provinces, <laughs> primarily Russian, but but if if they take Ukraine and then look at the Baltics again, wonderful people in the Baltics. I went to Estonia. And those guys have really embraced free markets. Um, yeah. so, uh, so we shall see. I I, I I, don't agree with Ian, but again, I don't know the guy's mind. You know, I can only look at what has happened so far. Um,
2: the, the The problem is, I mean, yeah, I agree. If, if he does invade, it will probably end up as disaster, but not after 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 people slaughtered. I mean, the Ukraine has 900,000 people on the reservist list from 16 years old to 60 years old. Yeah. Do we want 900,000 Ukrainians slaughtered by the Russian army? No. no. You know, it, it, so there is no easy answers. I mean, I think we were talking earlier. It may be much wiser for NATO to say Ukraine is never joining, but if you invade Ukraine, we're inviting them to join. We, we could have right. played that card, but that's gone. That's hindsight now. Um, Sanctions, if we took the nuclear, literally not the nuclear option, but the nuclear option in sanctions, if we just do cut off all trade, so all Russian assets are permanently seized and those and given to the Ukraine, what's left of the Ukraine. I I don't know, Um, but that's not going to happen because the interconnection of the dynastic families you look at all of our presidents i mean okay i'm going to insult i'm going to offend every american now you look at the bush clintons obamas trump biden they've all got their fingers in pies around the world that benefit from war and death and destruction and if they disagree let them come and talk to us and prove that i haven't got their fingers in the pie of um benefiting and was it was it kissinger who warned us in 69 to beware of the military industrial complex that they well, will the
1: Eisenhower first. Was it Eisenhower and Eisenhower. his yeah. farewell yeah. address to the nation? Yeah.
2: So yeah, beware. They will steal. Was it? They will basically steal the lives of your young men, and they will steal the effort, the production of your industry.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's yeah, it, it's yeah. Oh, oh. I, I, I think you know the
0: military-industrial complex is certainly a big factor. Um, but, but the other one is, is you know, the petrodollar, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so we went off the gold standard. Um, Nixon made an arrangement where, you know, the, the Middle Eastern countries would only sell oil for dollars, and that gave us indirect banking backing. Well, now Russia's putting the Nord Stream pipeline into Europe. Um, and that, that's one of the things Biden's put on a sanction list is to shut that down. It's like, yeah. okay, so you're going to provide inexpensive gas to Europe, and we need yeah. to shut that down. And then we need to send our natural gas from the U.S. over to Europe, you know, to just run our prices up. I mean, that that that's that makes absolutely no sense unless you look at it as trying to protect the petrodollar.
2: Yeah, I mean, less than two weeks ago, Biden was shaking hands with the leader of Qatar, doing a deal for Qatar to divert gas from Asia, from Japan and South Korea to divert it and bring it to Europe. That deal was made, I think. less it was in the Wall Street Journal. Um, and then you look at the the state in Qatar. I mean, it's you, you've got nearly three million guest workers <laughs> living in abject poverty. A lot of them. It, it it is a complete mess. And to circle back around, it oft it seems to always come back to, to gaining more money, more wealth, and more more power. Seems to be the the motivation for decisions that are made. That yeah. Uh, often we, we don't, even in looking back in history, we don't really see the full picture of the, the machinations and the strings that were pulled.
0: But, I mean, the good question is, is okay, so so, if, if defending the petrodollar is part of the motivation here, is, as far as the U.S. is concerned, um, is, does that benefit our citizens? And the answer is it doesn't, yeah. right? H- the, the, the strong dollar world reserve currency policy has led to The erosion of the middle class and the erosion of our uh, industrial capabilities um, because you can just buy stuff from china for cheap and it's led to the strengthening of china um so protecting this world reserve currency status is is not benefiting americans it's benefiting the big banks not us yep
2: yep (laughs) and eventually it collapses because our currency will not buy goods to be imported and Hence why we've all got into precious metals for different reasons and different times, because the dollar at best is a gold substitute.
1: And let's in... talk about that a little bit. Let's explore that topic a little bit for people that are viewing the breaking I did right before we started recording this, I was talking to people very, um, let's just say very emphatically about don't wait on preparing. And, and it's not just gold, silver. Russia has about a third of the natural gas production in the world. They have the second most platinum palladium production behind South Africa, and South Africa is a mess right now politically, a lot of instability in their minds. Um, they have a lot of other things. They're, I think 17% of technology companies in the U.S. depend upon Russia to do work in terms of labor or resources. They're, you know, Russia has big stores of copper, tin, aluminum. You know, aluminum and tin and copper futures prices were spiking a few days ago on threat of war. I can't imagine what they're doing right now Mm -hmm. as we speak. So if Russia is now cut off in trade from the West, how does that affect our industry, our prices, our economy? How does that affect natural gas flows to Europe? I mean, there's a lot to talk about here and how it could affect people just on an everyday basis. We're not… Thankfully, we're not in Ukraine having to deal with the physical issues. But what are the long-term ramifications if Russia gets isolated and their economy gets isolated from the rest of the world? Doesn't that affect all of us? It
2: could be really good, Rob. It could be incredibly good if we stopped using resources for stupid reasons. Mm-hmm. I and mean, if we stop, you think of all the frivolous uses we use, of uh, valuable um, metals, um, gas, what, what is it with gas fire pits? People want to sit out in their yard and heat their whole yard to ninety Fahrenheit, burning <laughs> millions of cubic meters of gas. Gas is used to this you come... melt silver down. That's that's what you use gas for. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it comes it comes back around to an illusion of wealth. Mm-hmm. That you, you 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 think you can do this, but there's a price to pay at the end of the day. Um, you, you, the dollar as a world reserve currency has given America and and me since I've become American a, a privileges to to consume beyond your actual real wealth and no. so you get a complete misallocation of primary resources you get a misallocation of labor and a misallocation of capital which is destructive but the good news is if we wake up and stop wasting stuff we could probably cut our consumption by thirty percent in pretty well everything.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: But Rob, you, you
0: were saying, cut if if their trade is cut off with the rest of the world, it's it's yeah, not Yeah, because right
1: now the U.S. is doing sanctions. Russia can right. retaliate. I mean, what's going to happen is what's similar to happen in previous world conflicts, is that trade trade routes and trade agreements are going to get rerouted between sub, you know, uh, sub geopolitical agreements. The, the problem I see with that is it gets more difficult to do that or, or perhaps more costly to do it because the world trades with each other now. We're much more of a worldwide trading relationship than we were 100 years ago. So all these sanctions and all these things that are traditional measures are going to have even deeper effects than they would have had 100 years ago. Well, and but I, what's the effect on people of that?
0: Well, I but... – I mean, Russia has been preparing for this. They, they, they've been establishing trade without Ooh. using dollars. Right. So yeah. they, they can get cut off from dollars. They can't get cut off from trading with China. Um, right. And, and, you know, maybe we cut off the trade, of the, you know, the Nord Stream pipeline to Europe, but that's because make uh, Europeans suffer. Yeah. Right. Um. In, in terms of, you know, is that going to prevent Russia from doing anything? No. I mean,
1: what's. No, what, I'm talking about the effects on the West. Oh yeah, yeah, if, no, if, it's if gonna... Russia goes over here and says we're no longer participating yeah. in your Western system, how does right. that affects us in a way? That's it's why we're gonna we don't hurt... cheer it on and we don't want it to happen, is my point.
0: Yeah, it's gonna hurt us more than it's gonna hurt them. It's going when I say hurt us, hurt the average American. Uh it can keep the it can help keep the dollar strong, which helps the banking system, but it doesn't help the average American. It just drives our prices up. And you know, if you think inflation's bad now, yeah. then toss on sanctions. Now talk yeah. talk toss in an act of war where we start getting involved. I mean, I yeah. can't imagine. Like we yeah, have wait, to yeah. out of there.
1: Yeah, you you, you wait till oil
2: is free three hundred dollars a barrel. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and think about think about this for a minute. China's got the Belt and Road Initiative. They now have seventy three percent of the world's GDP participating at different levels. Not like it's one giant you know cemented trading block that doesn't trade with the U.S. But China's got their fingers in it. You talk about fingers in the pie. Talk about China having fingers in the pie you know, they're doing what the IMF did. There's a lot of news coming out recently about the IMF bailing out all these nations, Argentina, Sri Lanka. And that's how the IMF gains control because they know yeah. these countries eventually can't pay back. So they take their natural resources as collateral. And so the IMF gets its hands into all these resources around the world. And people don't know it. They don't understand. They think it's purely a financial organization, but it's a resource grab. Well, China has yeah. actually done this with the Belt and Road Initiative on an even grander scale. And so essentially what you've got is China having their fingers in all these different pies and Russia being their ally will benefit from that. So I do think China and Russia aren't as vulnerable to disruptions and trade and sanctions. They're, they are vulnerable, but not as much. Do you, But I see China being the main instigator in that end. I don't see Russia being, you know, the BRI instigator or propagator. I think they're a part of it. And I wonder if China has a longer term plan in which Russia is sort of in a way its proxy for fighting some of these wars with the West, while China just sits back and says, Russia, you go do your thing. And China's yeah, sort of I'm a little mean, brother here. I'm sorry, Russia's yeah. a little brother and China's kind of orchestrating some of this behind the scenes.
2: It would seem to me that Russia is Putin. Now, don't no offense to Russians, but the, the, the man at the top who's got the control, he's telling everybody what to do. Mm-hmm. He's got a 14 year plan. He wants to stay in power to 2036. Mm-hmm. And and I think he considers that's the end of his life. China tends to think in a hundred year, mm-hmm. uh, so it could end up very badly for Russia that China would end up controlling uh, a, a lot more than Russia would, would, would think, um, uh, you know, do, do a deal with the devil. <laughs> it's, it's, uh...
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and they're both de-dollarizing. They've both been preparing mm-hmm. for trade without the dollar. Um, and and um, mm-hmm. they're increasingly using gold as a neutral reserve asset. And I, I think that, that is a good thing. Um, it's a shame we're not doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, g- gold as the reserve asset provides a lot of stability in terms of trade, trade balances, right? Because, you know, one country can't print it. Our ability to print has led to our jobs going overseas.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, instead, if it's gold, as you trade, you know, if you have a, a surplus or a trade deficit, gold piles up in one country, and then that changes the value of gold. It gets less valuable, and that perform, and then that yeah. performs natural balancing system. Plus, it's a neutral reserve asset that is not mm-hmm. political. Right. The dollar yeah. is very political. We can tell people
2: what to do, or we're going to shut them down. Um, and and beautifully, it, it's production is pretty well being equal to the increase in the human population over millennia. So the amount of physical gold increase year on year is pretty well identical if you track it over centuries. So it it's naturally increases rather than being abnormally inflated.
1: I agree with that. There have been a couple of minute exceptions in history where you had big gold booms, but those last a few years. And then it evened out again, it, it never was like this 50 or 100 year cycle like we have with the fiat currencies, where it yeah. just balloons up, you know, whenever you look naturally, it's basically self-regulating, because even if you have an excess of gold, the market will will figure that out. And then when yeah. gold smooths back out, so gold has been very, if you chart it over time, it's been very stable when compared with the fiats. The fiats, when you get people involved, all of their hubris and their, you know, their arrogance, they think that they can do it forever. They think they can engineer a natural system, and you can't engineer a natural system. You're part of that system. You can't engineer everything that's running around you. And getting yep. back to the commodities, I think that we've tried to engineer commodities as well through these futures markets and it's ended up causing what, you know, what I describe as huge waste, like Ian has described. Do you think in some aspects this conflict, you know, even going back to the to the World War One and Two and now the potential for another big geopolitical conflict is a reflection of humans' inability to live by natural law. In other words, if we had lived by natural law and hadn't gotten so excessive, it wouldn't allow us to have expanded our influence as much. We'd stayed within our means. Maybe a lot of this wouldn't be an issue.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think if we had stuck with sound money, I mean, Im- imagine, you know, World War Two. we went out and pitched bonds and we had to get people to buy bonds to support the war effort. We don't have to do that anymore. We can just print the money, Fed can monetize it, and we can go to war. Um, you know, imagine trying to pitch bonds for, uh, you know, a war in Ukraine to the American people. It wouldn't happen. But 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 not only do we not have to pay for it, we also don't even bother to vote for it in Congress. Like, one guy at the top can just decide to take us to war. You know, the, the Congress is supposed to officially declare war, yet for the past several months you've had all sorts of bureaucrats saying, we will go in and defend Ukraine. It's like, you can't say that. Congress is the only one that can get us over that.
1: But, yes, yep. Separation People. of powers where the president is the commander in chief, but has to, you mm-hmm. know, and that's mainly really for defense. And once you get into war, he's the guy at the top, the person responsible. But the Congress, like you said, is supposed to be able to vote us in. And but, you know, how, you look at all the wars in the Middle East. Did we get voted in all of those? I don't think we did. I don't think they held separate votes every time they went in and to Yemen or Syria or all that stuff. I think no. Trump acted without a congressional mandate in Syria, and that was used against him. Because yeah. you know, they they were shooting tomahawks and stuff. That's war to me. When you shoot a missile at somebody, that's defiance yeah. war. Yeah. They didn't have a congressional mandate to do that. So so all presidents have kind of abused that power to, to different extents.
0: Yeah, I mean, and unfortunately Congress has um, kind of abdicate that responsibility at times. Like they've said, Well, we authorized you to use force if you think it's necessary. So it's like, We're not gonna vote for it. Right. We'll just <laughs> delegate it to you. It's like no, no. You either declare war or don't declare war not, you know, well, well, we'll let you make up your mind.
1: So gold is trending up. I mean, I, I don't want to celebrate this because it's not something to celebrate, but gold is at 1921. It's firmly in a breakout. Silver's 2464 2450 is critical technical resistance there. That's a breakout in silver. Um, the metals are doing well, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. I think that surprises a lot of people, especially people in alternative investments, The gold and silver come right back. But throughout history, gold and silver have always been that crisis hedge. Is it any surprise to you guys what gold and silver are doing right now? And do you think it's it's going to stop anytime soon?
2: I was surprised silver didn't break through 30 last night. Mm-hmm. The, the, the rate, uh, let me pull up the, um, see if I can share the,
1: well, in okay. overnight trading last night, I see it got to about twenty five fifty, and gold got to about nineteen seventy three, and then 25. they got slammed down about eight thirty a.m. this morning after the American markets opened, both of them.
2: Yeah, twenty five sixty four we got on London. Yeah. Well,
0: and yeah. there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, now there's an excuse to not raise rates, and I, I totally believe that. Um, you know. I, if they were gonna raise rates, maybe it's once or twice and then they'd be forced into reversal. But but now maybe they won't even raise rates. And maybe gold gold sniffing that out. Um, I mean gold was shown a lot of strength before, you know, yeah. this kind of kicked off. Um just despite interest rates having gone quite a bit up, gold was you know, hanging in there pretty well.
1: So let's talk about that for a minute. So Bullard came out as the Uber aggressive guy saying we should do a half a point. And then two more quarter points by, I think he said July, if I remember correctly, June or July, by about the middle of the year. Now, is there any chance that we even get up a half a point at all this year? Because I, I don't, you know, if the Fed does that amongst all the instability, what does that do to markets? What does that do to the stock market? stock market right now is in a correction. I think one of the indices is down 10%. That's what I officially call a correction once you get to 10%. And they're both all opening wedges down. Uh, the Dow, the S&P, the Nasdaq are all open wedges downward. It doesn't look pretty on the technical charts for, for the major American indices. If the Fed, in addition to all the geopolitical uh, issues, the raging inflation that we have, the economic weaknesses with the labor force participation rate, if they really start to aggressively raise rates, because what happens to the economy at that point? It implodes. <laughs> And how long go? i said one percent this is before the ukraine situation i said one percent i said with well, high inflation you could get one percent if you did it in incremental and let the market absorb it it's still going to slow the market down but you could probably get to a percent after that you know it was up in the air i'm not sure you can get to a half a percent at this particular point unless things settle down
2: it does depend on what their game plan is as most of us know and most of our viewers the federal reserve is not federal has no reserves and it's not a bank. It's a private corporation for the benefit of its owners. It's never been about for the benefit of the American people. I would not put it past them to put interest rates up to 100%, destroy everything, and then mop up the pieces at the bottom. They are that callous. Every recession, depression in America since 1929, possibly even the 1920, has been caused by the federal reserve and has been, and they have benefited tremendously from during they gain they gain it on the way up and they gain it on the way down yeah um so i would not that basically i no, i'm not allowed to say the word it, it, it's a they are what the words that come out of their mouth um anybody watch gregory manorino he talks about cat poo wrapped in dog poo Uh, that's what they speak Mm -hmm. and for people to give them credence and for the financial press to give them credence you you just could be some sort of fruitcake to believe that what comes out their mouth is rational or logical or a benefit to anybody apart from themselves and it's time we woke up and called them out for what it is and i agree with ron paul uh, not end the fed make the fed irrelevant we need to individually in our own lives and in our regions and to best we can take actions that make the Federal Reserve irrelevant.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. That's that's the whole goal of Citizens for Sound Money is, you know, we, we can't fix the federal government. We can't get them to back the dollar by gold. But you don't need to just start using sound money in your daily lives yourselves and, and protect mm-hmm. yourselves um, and, and yeah, develop this parallel system. Thanks
1: but, to Ann for sending me this 10-ounce bar. This is hey. sound money. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I get Look this 10 from
1: in at Arc silver. You got, I got a Valcambi, a nice Valcambi Swiss. So you can go to Arc Silver. You can go to Silverback Precious Metals. You can get this stuff, Jim. What are you doing at Silverback? Um, well, we've got these piling up mm-hmm. um,
0: because we've cut a lot of bars and we make these from the shavings. So um, I think we'd like to give you guys a special deal on that. I can I can get you some info on that.
1: Perfect. Yeah. I mean, Sweet. through Gold Silver so Pros, you guys have been 10 super round, gracious so. to our viewers and offering some of the cheapest silver you, that you can find anywhere on the planet. I mean, I challenge people to find better deals. Now, it's not on every issue of silver. Sometimes it's a special issue like a thousand ounce bar, a 10 or 25 ounce cut bar or, you know, 40 percent Kennedy's or something like that. But it's still silver, silver, silver at the end of the day. And um, you can contact these gentlemen directly on their websites, or you can go to goldsoberpros.com and click on Precious Metals Deals, and you can email them that way. Jim, I think you're doing mostly a wholesale business, right? Are you also doing retail?
0: So yeah, so we're, we're trying to get into more stores. In the meantime, um, we still do retail, uh, but but you just apply for a membership. If you're near a store, we'll send you that store, but otherwise uh, you can still buy. But yeah, definitely go through your website and do it that way, um, and then we'll add the membership. And then tag it as being a gold silver pros membership so we can offer some special deals to those people. Okay.
1: Well doing. I thank you, gentlemen, for offering that. Any last closing thoughts before we wrap this one up today, guys?
2: Yeah, I've had a revelation, and I would say to if you've got a reasonable amount of silver, start buying gold. <laughs> so um, we're called Arc Silver, but we do sell gold. And again, mm-hmm. we are better than all of the big four online guys. And on the kilos, while well, stocks last, I haven't got money left. It took four weeks to get them in. Two dollars twenty-two premium. Um, any last comments?
0: Just uh, check out Citizens for Sound Money. That's with the number four and Silverback Precious Metals. Um, to- two totally different hats I wear, but but obviously related. Um, and
1: and then talk, really talk appreciate one minute about them. Citizens for Sound Money, Jim. But what what is the goal of that organization?
0: So the goal is to encourage people to use sound money and to protect the right to do so um, oh. so that second part that's why we're a 501c4 so we can engage in lobbying efforts um, we have started to get active on state legislation by working with sound money defense League mm-hmm. um, JP he's been great and um, but the first part is you know encouraging people to use sound money and that's both buying physical for savings um, or for barter uh, and then also asset back digital currencies for um, you know more modern digital means of using gold and silver as money.
1: Fantastic. Thank you, to you gentlemen, for joining. I appreciate the conversation and your background. Everybody stay tuned to Gold Silver Pros for more content. We're going to keep covering this and breaking new segments, roundtables, and general discussions on the channel. And as always, we'll bring you the best deals and precious metals we can. Uh, it helps out the channel when you guys support us. It helps out these guys, but I think it helps out your pocketbook a lot to get away from some of the higher price retail guys in the market. Thank you guys for joining. Thank you, Rob.
0: Thank you for listening to the Gold Silver Pros podcast. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time.